It is a privilege to be standing before you here this morning, upright and vertical, and breathing at about 80%. So uh, I was doing considerably worse than that earlier in the week, and um, glad that the Lord heals, and that um, though we are struck down, we are not crushed, amen? And so let's pray, and let's, uh, let's thank God for His goodness to us. Father, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can address you that way as our Heavenly Father. And know that you give us that privilege through the blood of your Son, who by his death and resurrection purchased for us membership in your family, redemption, forgiveness of, your sin, of our sins, and uh, an eternal inheritance with you um, that can never perish or spoil or fade but is kept secure for us. And you have given us your Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has also uh, supplied us with the word that we might know you and understand things about you that we could not imagine. Uh, The Bible is not a book, as the man said, that a man could write if he would, or would write if he could, because it is the product of your Holy Spirit. And it is given to us to illuminate our hearts, and to give us your light to live by in a dark world. And Father, we pray that you would help us to understand and obey your word and to take delight in it. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're looking at the issue of worry. And I think most of us, if we are honest with ourselves, will admit that we worry about all kinds of things all the time. Uh, If we're parents, as many of us here are, then we worry about our kids and how they will turn out and whether they will survive to adulthood, right? Um, Or whether we will take their life some of the time, right? (laughs) Uh, We, uh, if we're students, we worry about the test that is coming up or which teachers we'll get in the fall. If we're paying our bills, we worry about money. If we're married, we worry about how our marriage is going. If we're single, many of us worry that we won't get married. And if we have a good job, we worry about losing it. And if we don't have a job, we worry we won't be able to get one. And if we get sick, we worry about getting well. And if we're very sick, we worry about what might happen to us, even if we know in our head that going home to Jesus is the best thing that could happen to us. And if we buy a car, we worry about it breaking down. If we buy a house, we worry about paying it off. And if we have friends, we worry about what they will think when they see more of the real us and whether they will still be our friends. And if we don't have any friends, then we worry that it's because the real us is so objectionable that, the, that no one could really love the real us. Right? Our hearts, a lot of times, are consumed by worry. And worry and its kissing cousin fear are both sins because uh, they are both failures to trust in a good God who loves us. But they're really common sins, and so they both kind of have a measure of respectability even in the church. Uh, But they're also deadly sins because they uh, steal the joy that we have in the present, and they rob the joy that we might have in the future and they undermine God's, our enjoyment of God's love and care for us uh, in the present. And 
Jesus, as part of the abundant life that he promises to us, promises to set us free from worry and fear and to give us a way to escape out from under carrying those burdens around. And so I want to look at it with you. Uh, If you've got your Bible open there, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus uh, has a lot to say about this. We're going to look at the first two verses here, Matthew chapter 6, 25 and 26 first, and then we'll uh, look at some more here later. But Jesus says, chapter uh, chapter 6, verse 25 and 26 of Matthew here, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Um, Brian DuPont and I talked quite a bit, and he asked me yesterday, he said, he said well, Joe, what is, um, what is God teaching you these days? And I told him, I said, Brian, I said, I think God is trying to underline for me just how good he really is. You know, I, I grew up in a, in a fairly um, demanding household. We were all very driven people with a um, high sense of right and wrong, and you need to do what is right, and you need to excel uh, to the best of your God-given abilities and so forth, Right? And I kind of projected that, I think, for a long time onto my idea of who God is. That he is a demanding father who has standards that we need to meet. And if we don't meet them, that he is somehow disappointed. Uh, And there is a sense, certainly, in the scripture over and over that we are told that God does expect us to obey what he tells us, right? Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So there is a an element of obedience to God's word and to his command that's part of the Christian life. However, you need to understand that God's commands are loving commands. And his instruction is loving instruction. And he is a good God who loves us and who cares about even our most mundane needs. That even things that are not very significant needs for most of us. Most of us don't worry about having enough clothes to put on. Most of us don't worry about whether or not we'll have enough food. In fact, most of us in this room probably been on a diet at some point in the last year, right? Um, we don't worry about those things, but God cares about our most common, most basic needs. Because he is good, and he is underlining that for us here in these two verses, how much he loves us more than he loves the birds. He gives us the example of the birds because uh, it's one that he can emphasize how much more loved we are than the rest of creation. According to scientists, there are 9,787 species of birds on the earth today. Uh, They total together somewhere between 200 billion and 400 billion individual creatures on the earth right now. So there are at least 28 times the number of birds as there are people 
on the planet at any one time. Yet, the birds, if you'll notice, are not stressed out. Maybe hummingbirds, but they look fairly wound up. <laughs> but, uh, but the birds, in general, are not stressed, right? Uh, they don't build barns to store grain for the winter. They don't plant crops uh, or harvest them. They don't have a 401k. They don't need a rainy day fund. And yet, somehow, the at minimum 200 billion birds find something to eat every day. How does that happen? Well, it's very simple. God is good, and He is loving, and so He provides for them. He puts seeds and bugs and fruit and grains of all kinds all over the earth so that the birds have something to eat. The birds. You know, I like birds. I have bird feeders. You know, I like to go to go to Geiger's and get bird seed in the winter especially. I like to feed the squirrels. Uh, I, l- I like to, you know, take care of those little critters. But if I didn't, you know what would happen? God would feed them anyway. I like to feed them so I can see them. But God would feed them regardless because He sees them. And He loves them. And Jesus' point is this. That if God loves the birds and makes sure that they eat every day, don't you think that He also loves you and will take care of you and your needs? He loves us much more than He loves birds. Is it about birds that God is ultimately concerned? No. Did he make the birds in his image? No. Did God make the birds the vice regents of this planet and give them the blessed responsibility of being stewards over the rest of creation like he did with us? No. Was Jesus sent for the redemption of the bird world? No. And yet he feeds and cares for them so that they have no worry. No bird gets up in the morning and goes, well, you know, it's another day. i got to go find something to eat because there might not be anything. wonder what's going to happen. You know, no, they don't do that. Why not? Because every day, the birds wake up and they sing to their Creator who provides for them. And they know that they can trust His provision. So don't miss the point. If the birds are not stressed out, and there's lots and lots and lots more of them than there are of you and I, and if God loves them enough to provide for them, don't you think that He also loves those whom He has sacrificed His Son to redeem, to care for us and our needs? Don't you think that's true? Yes. And Jesus, because He knows we're sometimes hard of hearing, He gives us another example. Verse 27 to 30, He talks about how we're loved much more than lilies. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to His span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you 
of little faith. Okay, I want you to look with me at Jesus' question in verse 27. Have any, raise your hand if you have added any hours to your life by worrying about anything. Okay, so just so we're clear, this doesn't happen. Amen? How many of you have subtracted some hours from your life by worrying? <laughs> okay, yeah, a lot of us, right? We have uh, maybe not chopped any off the end, but we sure have wasted a number of them by worrying. Amen? Um. And I think, and you know, as you look at lilies, I think lilies are a marvelous example. I think they're one of the most beautiful flowers. We've planted a bunch of them in our yard because we like to see them. I mean, they are spectacular when they come up. And they've got all these blooms and they're great big flowers. And, oh, they're beautiful, right? And we've got several different varieties, in fact. And, and you can find them, you can find lilies, you know, you can find what my neighbor calls ditch lilies, you know, that I like to call tiger lilies, <laughs> um, just growing out along the side of the road, right? Uh, well, how did they get there? Well, God put them there. God put them there. Well, why did he put them there? For us to enjoy. For us to enjoy. He has sprinkled his goodness all through creation. You know, we're one of the only animals in the whole world that can see in color. And God makes all these marvelous colors and creates all kinds of flowers that we can see all the various colors. You know, there are crimson ones and yellow ones and orange ones and white ones and, and purple ones. And there's just an amazing variety. All the colors of the rainbow, you have these flowers. You know something else? The lilies also don't worry about how they look or how they're dressed. They don't work really hard to make clothes for themselves. There's no lily fashion industry, right? Um, there's no retail stores for lilies. They don't. They don't. They don't spin thread. They don't make cloth. And yet, according to Jesus, even Solomon, in all of his grandeur and greatness, in all of his magnificent wealth, wasn't as well-dressed as a lily bloom. And you know the other thing about lilies that's true? As beautiful as spring flowers are, they do not last. They all die, don't they? And when they die, they turn into kind of that brown, dried-out mess. And you've got to kind of you get your shears out, you cut them off, and you, you, know, you bag all that mess up, or you take it over to your burn pile, and you throw it in the fire. Maybe you cook marshmallows over it, whatever. But, but it doesn't last. It's just transient. But here's the point. God's goodness is so magnificent that he lavishes on extravagant beauty onto things that are transient and passing away like the grass of the field, like the roadside ditches, like uh, little plants out in the woods. You know, Rick and I went, went mushroom hunting this last week, found a couple of pounds of mushrooms, had a lot of fun doing that. But you go through the woods, and there's all these beautiful purple wildflowers growing. You know who sees them and appreciates them? 
raising mushroom hunters, and God. Most people will never see those. But God's goodness is so lavish and so extensive that He just puts stuff out there for beauty. Simply because He's a good God. And these things disappear. You go out two weeks from now, they won't be there. They'll be gone. Flowers here today and gone tomorrow. It comes up in the spring or in the summer, and it's a dried husk by the fall. But you and I are immortal beings. You know that? We're immortal. Once we are born, we will live eternally somewhere. We do not die forever. You know, it isn't a case of once you die, you go on the ground and that's it. Your spirit will dwell somewhere forever. You're immortal. And on top of that, you are made in the image of God. And human beings have a greatness and a glory that far exceeds the rest of creation because of that. Because you are the special creation of God. You are the pinnacle of God's creation. You are made in His image. You are made for an eternity of glory. In fact, C.S. Lewis, I love this description. He says the, the most boring, most common person that you meet today, if you saw them as they will be in glory, you would be strongly tempted to worship them. We are made for greatness and glory in relationship with God. And so isn't it just possible that the same good God who lavishes beauty and glory on the creation and stuff that is literally here today and gone tomorrow will also take care of you and your needs as a person who will dwell with Him forever. Isn't that just possible? Yes. Why? Because God loves you and He loves me far more than He loves flowers. Are flowers nice? Sure. But flowers are not eternal. Flowers are not made in the image of God. Flowers are not people whom God redeemed. God loves us far more than He loves the creation. Let's not be sure, let's be sure not to miss here Jesus' conclusion, verse thirty-one to thirty-four. Therefore, you might want to circle that word. Goes up twice. Because Jesus is making a conclusion. Whenever you see a word therefore, you need to see what it's there for. All right. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Uh, I, I think the key to understanding these verses is verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. The word Gentile is used not in a racial sense, but in a religious sense. Uh, a Gentile, in this context, is somebody who does not have God as their heavenly Father. They are someone who is 
uh, who has never put their trust in Jesus Christ and received Him as Savior, someone who is not a worshiper, therefore, of the true God. And when we therefore stress out and worry and chase all the things of this world because we're somehow worried that we're going to come up short and that God won't meet all my needs if I don't help Him out, then what we're doing is we're acting like people who don't know God, is his point. And, that, and acting like people who don't have Him as their Heavenly Father. Our fearful lack of faith is a denial of God's love and care for us. It's to say to God, I know that you say that you love me and you will take care of all of my needs, but I don't really believe you. And so I'm going to make sure I take care of my own needs. Don't miss what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you have God as your heavenly Father. And you know that God is good. And you know that God loves you. Therefore, you can relax. You don't have to chase everything that everybody else is in the rat race to get. And look at what else he says. He says, look. He says, if you pursue me and a relationship with me, then I will throw in all the other stuff on top. Your Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Pursue me and get all the stuff of earth too. Pursue the stuff of earth, on the other hand, and you will miss relationship with me which is more important seriously which is more important if you keep your eyes down here that's all you will ever get and that's all you will ever possess are the things of this world that are already passing away but if on the other hand you pursue the Lord and you walk with Him, and you um, obey Him, and do what He commands, and you reciprocate with your life His love for you, and your love for Him, then all of this stuff comes right along with it. You know, I told somebody last week, one of my favorite verses in Scripture is this one. Uh, The... um, The scripture says, I was young, now I am old, and I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. That is true. I'm not as old as I hopefully one day will be, but for 42 years I have watched the Lord be faithful to me over and over and over again. And over, and we have never lacked anything we needed, not one time. Not one time. Not one time have I ever said to the Lord, We're in a heap of trouble and we need you to come through for us. And he went, Yeah, I'm going to be late this time. Sorry. <laughs> okay. That's never happened. Not once. And yet I still worry and I still get stressed out and I still still sometimes, you know, get all wrapped around the lawnmower like bailing wire, you know. I just, 
<laughs> right? Totally sees the engine up. And, um, and yet God, in His goodness, has been so good to me. He has been faithful every single day of my entire life. And I need to be able to trust Him that He's going to continue to be good for every single remaining day of my life, however many there are. Because I know He's going to be good for every single moment of my eternity. Amen? And so I can relax. I don't have to stress out. I don't have to live my life under the gun. Running here and there and trying to make sure that I grab every bit of gusto I can. Why not? Because God is good and He provides because He loves us. And if you get nothing else out of this passage, get that. That because God loves you and me, because He loves you and me, with an extreme, everlasting love. We can relax because He is fully trustworthy in His love for us. Amen? He is fully trustworthy. And He will take care of us. And He will meet all of our needs. And we will never lack for anything that we need. Because we have a heavenly Father who cares for us. And He is good. Amen? Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, again, we praise You that we can say that. That we can say, Our Heavenly Father. And we say that, Father, because You have demonstrated Your love to us supremely in Jesus Christ in sacrificing Him on the cross and raising Him from the dead. He made the payment for our sins and He gave us new life, eternal life, with You. Enjoying a blessedness that we cannot even fathom. Because You are so good and You love us so much. And we are so blessed. Father, help us to trust You to rely on you and to a holy way chill out because you have everything in our lives under your sovereign, loving, caring hands. Father, we pray that we can grow in our trust in you. In Jesus' name.